saw something out of the corner of my eye uh, off the side of the road in a, in a culvert. And sure enough, there was two feet prints on either side of this hole. We heard an absolute inhuman noise. Let's see it. I freaked. I panicked. When that thing come out from behind a tree, it scared the hell out of me, and I just said, I'm not going back down there. You're listening to the Skunk Ape Files. And now, here are your hosts, Stacy Brown Jr. and Paul Sanson. All right, and tonight we have part two of our interview with Miss Marion Gant. So, without further ado, let's get back into it. So, what, um, in all your time researching, what had to be some of the crazier moments? You know, I know you had encounters. Um... Well, the, crazy, the craziest encounter I had was up in Michigan in 2013. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, Go ahead and uh, talk about that. Well, that one, that was the one that I, I saw eye shine. I have to admit, I saw eye shine. Now, was um, this a uh, eye glow, or you shined it and it, it reflected? Okay, eye glow. Yeah. Okay, eye glow. All right. Yeah. I went up there. It was a BFRO um, expedition, and we were up next to the Saney National Wildlife Refuge. This is in Michigan and the UP. And um, I believe it was in March or something like that. It was cold still. And some of us went to this refuge um, down towards, we were by the upper goose pen pool and the lower goose pen pool. Um, why they call it that, and the other other pools were called, you know, A pool, B pool, C pool, but this one they called Goose Pool. And what had happened is we had um, parked, there's a large forest, so I guess they had um, areas that you could ski through it in the winter, which it wasn't winter time, I and mean, it was cold, it was rainy and wet, but it wasn't snowing or anything. And um, we walked through the forest to the first, to this, you know, upper Goose, lower goose pen pool and it was a um, white gravel road and it came to like a bridge it looked like a bridge or a park that divided the two pools in half and then the road continued on and it went off to the right and further into the whole the area and then to the right was a branch that went between the upper goose pen pool and um, I believe it was um, the a pool so there was like a ridge. The road was like a ridge through there. So we had gone in there. There was nine of us. I was the only um, girl. And we had a guy with us that had hunted in the area. And he said there was a lot of um, fowl, wildlife out there, you know, goose, um, ducks, all kinds of things out there. So as we're going along, we would hear a sound, and we'd leave, be like, that's a how, and he'd say, no, that's a goose. And we'd say, oh, there's a hound. And he'd say, no, that's, you know, something else. Right. And, you know, this happened a lot. And we, we just walked around the pool, did a scream, did knocks. We found what looked like a, a definite big boy trail where the branches were broke about six feet off the ground. 
but it went into this dense area, and we just we weren't familiar enough to go off trail. It was getting dark, and we weren't familiar enough with the area to go off trail. So we made a note of it and kept going following these pools. So we get back to the parking lot. It's full dark. I, I want to say 11, 12 o'clock at night. And some of us decided to go back to another area. I think it was the um, Mead. I think it was the Mead State Park where somebody had thought they'd seen some. We right. decided to go back up to the Goose Pen Pool and just hang out for a little bit. So we went back through the forest. We get to this road by this pool, and we're just shooting the breeze. It was a, a good bunch of guys. We were having a good time just talking and stuff. And I remember I was sitting on one of the guardrails on the bridge, and I noticed two of the guys get up and walk to the middle of the bridge. And they're looking, you know, across it, and there I hear them, you know, going, 2 o'clock? Yeah. 3 o'clock? Yeah. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? And they go, we're seeing red lights. We're seeing what look like red eyes. And I'm not seeing it. And that's that's something that we never understood. I could not see the red that night. They were seeing the red. I couldn't see it. But some other ones started seeing this happening, too. They're seeing this in the woods. There was a place where, um, you know, I told you there's this ridge that, that between the goose pen pond and the, I guess, a pond or something like that, a pool. Right, yeah. Well, there are trees, you know, you could see over them, and there are trees, and there was a big bush between two trees. We didn't remember being there. You know, was that bush there before? I don't know. A few minutes later, we look, and that big bush is gone. Another thing we noticed is, um, you know, the road, I told you, the road curved to the left. It was white gravel. The moon wasn't out. There was clouds, but the clouds were very high, so the moon was, the moon was diffusing through it. So we didn't have any lights on. But you could see this white gravel road go up, and you see it curve off to the left. Well, the curve disappeared. Something was leaning out from the woods and was blocking the road. And eventually, um, a couple of guys saw something walk across on all fours. So, yeah, I mean, it it was something. And, you know, this is all going on, seeing the eyes and stuff, and I'm going, where? And they're trying to point out to me I'm not seeing red. But eventually, uh, there's a sign there, and I'm standing there, I'm trying to see this red, and all of a sudden, this white light comes out from behind the sign. It looked like somebody turned on a pen light. That's how bright it was. And it went back behind the sign. And then it came out again. Just one light? Again, and then it came out farther, and there were two of them, side by side. And I'm like, holy. So I asked one of the guys behind me, are you seeing this? And they're like, yeah, we're seeing this. And it was playing peekaboo from behind the sign. Meanwhile, somebody else, further higher than the sign and further back, were seeing the red eyes again. I couldn't see them. I don't know why. But there was more, you know, like I said, there's several people there, and they were seeing the red eyes. All I saw was the white eyes playing peekaboo back and forth around the sign. So this went on. I don't know how long this went on. I mean, you know, because it would slow down and it would spark up. The bush would be between the trees would disappear. You know, the side of the road again would disappear, the curve in the road, and then it would come back. And we kept discussing, should we go across towards them? And um, we just had the feeling that they liked having the bridge between us and them. It's like I could go a little bit further, and it didn't seem like it hurt the activity, but if one of them started going approaching them, the activity would die off. They'd go back again, and it seemed like it would spark up. 
right. then um, I don't know how long it was. It died down, and we decided, well, do we stay or, or, or what? And we just had the feeling like, okay, that's enough for tonight. We don't want to chase them away. We don't want to antagonize them, so we decided we're going to head on back. And that was fun because we turned around and here's this, you know, this, we realized, wonder if they circled around us or not, you know, because this white road disappeared into the forest. And, um, but we, we had to get that, go through there to get to the car. So that when we got up to disappear into the forest, one of the guys said, well, hey, once we get inside the trees and they can't see us, let's stop. Sometimes they'll knock to say that you're leaving the area. So we get up in there and we get into we get into the dark trees where we think they can't see us and we stop and nothing happens. So one of them just kind of said, you know, see you guys later. Thanks for a good time. And we turned around, and took a couple feet, a couple steps, and basically a monkey yelled at us. It sounded it's the closest I've come as a given. And it just I can't even I can't even reproduce, you know. You know, yelling at us. Right. Weird. We turned around and looked at the guy that hunted the area, and this guy, you know, was short. You know, he was wider than he was tall, and he was jumping up in the air and dancing, and he's like, I've never heard anything like that before. Because, you know, all night we kept getting fooled, so we looked at him first, and he was just, we were ecstatic. You know, he's never heard anything like that, and it sounded like a gibbon or a monkey yelling at us. Right. So we stood there for a few minutes, and we're like, should we go back or not? And we still just had the feeling that because of the red eye shine, no, we'll, we'll come back tomorrow night. So we turned around, we took a couple more steps, and it yelled again. And this time it was louder. And same conversation, where should we go, should we stay? We almost went back, but we thought, no, we just we didn't want to, you know, push it. We started walking again, and again, this happens every time we started to walk. We take, you know, four or five steps, it yelled. We stop, nothing happens. We take four or five steps, it yelled. We stop, nothing else. So, we again, we're taking, you know, we're walking down the road. All of a sudden, we had four different voices yelling at us. And I'm telling all you, from this was a stereo system or somebody trying to. There's no way. Were they all from the same direction, or? Excuse me? Were they from the same direction, or were they spread out Yeah, it was all the same direction back from the bridge where we had been at. Hmm. You know, and, and it was like three or four voices. I mean, four different, and, I, you know, I just, like I said, there's there's no way. There's, there's no way it was a stereo. There's no way it was people. It's just, again, the closest I've come to are given calls. Because I went home, and I looked at every single monkey recording I could find to find something that matches it. You know, it's so uh, again, it drives huh? you nuts, don't it? Trying to figure out what you heard. Oh yeah, and, and again, trying to even reproduce it, we can't. We right. can't. I don't have the voice. I I can't even come close to it. But um, it, it did it one more time. Again, we went back and forth. Should we come? Should we stay? Should we not? And it did it. We kept on going, and it did it one more time. And when we looked back at it, we talked about it later, it sounded like young ones, and it sounded like they wanted to come back, and the last one was fine, go home. It was like, stay, 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 stay. And then the last one was like, blah, 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 you know, and it was like, fine, go home. Right. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Well. So that was uh, cool. We did prank one back the next day. We took some people back, but it just wasn't the same. It wasn't the same atmosphere. You know, there is an that, atmosphere when these things are around. It's almost like you can feel them. You know what I mean? Yeah. But also, we think one of the reasons they were attracted to us, we do think it was some older, like the Bigfoot, the eye shine, the red eye shine was very high. I think maybe that's one of the reasons I couldn't see it is I was not looking high enough. The The eye shine that I saw behind the sign was only about three or four feet off the ground. The guys were saying they were seeing eye shine five and six and seven feet off the ground. Wow. So that's the impression we got was that we had some juveniles that wanted to check us out while the grown-ups were watching to make sure nothing happened. Gotcha. You know, so almost but, like um, a uh, sentry type situation. Yes, yes, and and so when we were there the first night, we were we were just a group of people. We we're having a good time, taking it easy, you know, laughing a lot, joking a lot. When we went back the next night, we tried to, me and another guy, we tried to reproduce the same atmosphere, but the people with us just wouldn't, I mean, we had two guys that set chairs in the bridge and turned around back to back with the recorders. We had people walking back and forth with the recorders, of, you know, the big, the big ears, you right. know, trying to listen. Um, it, it wasn't the same. So I did think I saw I finally saw a red eye a red eye glow when um in the woods because we had we did try to reproduce the thing by going around the ponds, talking, yelling, joking. Then we met back at the bridge, and as I was coming back to the bridge in the woods, I saw this bright red light flare up, and it flared up and then it disappeared. And I thought it was a group that my sister had gone with because they had gone farther down the road. So I thought, hmm, they're cutting back through the trees and they've got their, their headlights on. So when she got back, I asked her, I said, well, hey, why did y'all come through the trees? Did you see anything? And she said, we didn't come back through the trees. I'm like, okay. So that's why I think I think I saw one of them checking us out, but it didn't stay. Oh, okay. Is that what you're saying? The light that you seen possibly was, was... Uh... I shine and not more along the lines of uh, an orb. I shine. Right on. So how would I they shine. do Definitely that? Definitely not an orb. There was no floating or anything like that. It just it flared up in the trees, okay. and then it disappeared again, like a blink, something like that, or it ducked behind a tree. Right, right. So, so. speaking of the orbs. You have seen some, though, and I know this. Uh, when we were filming Creatures, do you remember the blue ones at the uh, at the Bridges place that come up out of the ground and went back in? Well, see, that's the thing. I only got to see a half of one because you interrupted it. I know I interrupted it, but I thought you seen it <laughs> more than that. No, it was it was coming. I was, you know, they, we were talking about it. It was dark. You had to run back and get some more um, electrical cords for the light. Yep. And I was there with Dave, I believe it was. Dave and I think Stevie. Or maybe it was Marty. Okay. You know, and, and they said, No, hey, Marty hey. was with me. 
Okay, so maybe Stevie said, hey, you know, Dave, why don't you start talking? You seem to have a lot of luck bringing him around. So he started talking, you know, hey, come out here. Can you come see us, this and that? And, you know, it's dark and pixelated and stuff. But sure enough, over on the ground in this area, this blue light come up. At first I thought it was, you know, the, the bioluminescence from mushrooms or something. Right. But it started pulsing, and it got a little bit bigger, and it got a little bit bigger, and it got a little bit bigger like it was coming up out of the ground. And then you guys came flying up on the ATV. <laughs> that was that. <laughs> Went right back in. Yeah, it was gone. Yeah, it, it those. Was... that's the craziest thing. I don't know if these are, you know, correlated in any way. Maybe the Bigfoots are not the lights, but maybe they are attracted to those areas or some energy or something. I have no idea, but they're a real thing. And anytime uh, it kind of gets brought up, I love talking about it. And especially to people that don't really buy into that whole woo. You know what I mean? (laughs) You know my opinion on woo. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) But the lights are a very real thing. Well, no, that and that's why I don't just disregard it completely because the first time I brought up orbs with you, I believe you were camping with your son and I was camping with another woman. We were at the, the bridges yeah, and we were on the ridge behind the house and the bridges had brought up that they had been seeing them. And yep. I had asked you about it and you're like, I have no idea, you know? And then the next time I see you, um, maybe four or five months later when we're doing this video creatures at the property, you said, yeah, I've seen them, you know, just matter of fact, yeah, I've seen them. And, and I, you know, I respect you and I'm not going to just disregard you telling me that, yes, you've seen them. I can't say I, you know, what they are or real or if I've seen them, but you've seen them. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and it takes seeing them and it's just like a Bigfoot, you know, it takes seeing it. And like I said, they may not be correlated. There could be multiple things. Uh, the swamp gas theory works. However, my friend David can call these things. And, like, he'll go out and talk to the woods and they'll show up. Like, well, that's what was happening this time before you interrupted it. Yeah, you know, and he he's done that several times. And he even, um, we got a spot in Goose Pasture that he's he's been able to successfully do that. So... Swamp gas theory doesn't really flow with what I'm seeing from him, you know, uh, because it mm-hmm. seems to be an intelligence to it. Um, but however, they also at the same time, it doesn't mean that the Bigfoots just because they're happening in Bigfoot areas. Yeah, it's just it's just one of those things. You can't even prove a Bigfoot exists. Nope. So you're going to try to prove a Bigfoot exists by by saying that. The orbs prove it. Something else that you can't prove exists. You see what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it, you. I used to think that too. You know how strongly I used to think about that was. Uh, you know, you're saying it's all orbs now uh, because you can't find proof. Right. And you know, I guess you stay in something long enough. Uh, you know, you, your your ideas and the things that you experience will change. Yeah, and that's what you, they're supposed to. You know, they're supposed to. It's just, it's how you change. If you, you know, I've heard people say you have to have an open mind. And, 
my response has always been, yeah, you got to have an open mind, but you also have to have a screen or all sorts of crap flies in. You know what right. I mean? You got to be able so, to filter it. It's, yeah, yeah you, you know, pay attention to the stuff, take notes of the stuff, but you can't expect that stuff to prove. When you can't prove it, how's it going to prove something else? Right. You know? And, you know, and if you make up your mind and don't let the data take you where, you know, take take you where it needs to go, then you might as well not be out there at all. Right. A lot of people get stuck in their own theories, mm -hmm. and that's very hard. I'm, I was guilty of it myself. Uh, now I'm not, but I used to very well be be sold on the things that I believed and I didn't want to hear other stuff. It's, it's hard to, hard to do, but then you just end up chasing your tail and the stuff that you're, <laughs> you're wanting things to be a certain way. It's just not healthy and it's not real research. It's, it's closed minded approach. So it's more well, of I mean, a, it's uh, like I shine. I, I used to, I didn't believe in the eye shine and right. then I saw it. Well, you know, so now, and now it exists for me that I can't expect you to believe it. And since I can't prove it, I can't say it proves Bigfoot's exist either. You know what I'm... Oh, yeah. You know, uh, and so I'm working on this thing um, that people who have seen Bigfoot's have also either had a paranormal encounter of some type or a UFO encounter. So I got to ask you, have you ever encountered anything otherworldly or, well, I guess, yeah, that's otherworldly too, so. <laughs> uh, well, the UFO stuff, no. Right. But there was a house I lived in that had some weird things happen. Um... We built the house. That's what was strange, you know, on a piece of property. And it had two stories. My parents, my father had an office on the top, second story, my bedroom on the bottom. But there were times where we would be, you know, in the house, downstairs, eating dinner or something, and something would walk across the ceiling on the second floor. Our chairs would scrape. And we could never explain how this was happening if we were the only people in the house. And then my sister, we also had like a little two-story shed that we had a fort, second story. Right. And one night my sister told me she was sleeping up there, and she looked out the window, and there was a man sitting there looking up at her. Ooh, that's creepy. Never seen the guy before, never seen him after, couldn't, couldn't recognize him, but he's standing there staring at her. So, just now, your sisters, like, your sisters also had a skunk ape encounter, right? Well, she she was also a BFRO investigator for a while. She she's had them yell at her. I told you about how she was playing the Sierra sounds off her desk, right, right, and had that. And she also, you know, found a track back in there. What's strange is that we eventually sold the house. We moved out, and one of the people who moved in contacted us and asked if we'd ever had anything happen there and it turns out that they would hear something walking upstairs and one time in one of the bedrooms you know nobody was in the bedroom they went to open the door they heard furniture moving they went to open the door and 
something had pushed a, a dresser or something in front of the door and blocked it so nobody could get in. Did you ever, like, do any research to see if, any, if there was anything on that land before? No. No. And it's, it's I don't know, from the reading I've done, I haven't ever dug into it. From just the reading of the history and such, uh-huh. nothing pops up. You know, it would have to be um, something probably with Indians in the area or something like that. It was on a lake, so I'm sure, you know, Indians had been in there at some point. Well, so that's my theory, is that maybe uh, people who see skunk apes or Bigfoots, you know, a lot of people I'm talking to have also encountered, you know, other things as well, dogmen or whatever. Um, So that maybe... That data's going to lean to we're all crazy. <laughs> or, yeah. uh, well, or about that. This way. I, I heard somebody talking about this. They said something about how people, I've been in the woods all my life, and I've never, you know, seen a Bigfoot or anything like that. And it was brought up that maybe because you didn't know what to listen for. Exactly. And, That's and what my maybe dad used people to say. Are, are having, you know, things that cross over from Bigfoot into supernatural, whatever because they pay a bit more attention to what's going on around them. Right. Yep. My dad used to say he wished he had uh, paid more attention because he spent a lot of time in the woods when he was younger. Uh, and he had just paid more attention because he he said that there had to be more of them back then, you know, in the 80s because the 70s and 80s people were having all these sightings, you know, as there's not really that many anymore. You know, I mean, I'm sure you've noticed how it's dwindled down. Like you said, uh, all the sightings seem to have, the reports we get now are, well, 15 years ago or 25 years ago. Yeah. I, I also blame that partly in all the shows that are out there. You know, that's, that's one of the things I noticed when I was still taking reports is all of a sudden everybody had a checklist. It smelled, it threw a rock. It threw a stick. It knocked a tree. You know what I mean? It's like right. they go through a whole checklist. Before it, the it, shows, it made people more open to talking about it. But it also yes. flooded it with, you don't know how many times I'd be, hey, where's Bobo? Yes. <laughs> like, I don't know Bobo. where Bobo I is. <laughs> I want to talk to Cliff. Yep. But yeah, people are more open. I had I had more people approach me. Well, I was able to approach people. There's a guy that came out here that put in my Fios line I'm building the house and they had a family family name that I recognized that had lived in this area for, for a long time, one of the first settlers in the area. So I asked him and it turned out he had an uncle that used to hunt on the opposite side of this area that I live, this conservation area I live in. Right. And he said his uncle never said what he saw, but one day he came home and said he saw something, and he's never going back. Wow. So that's in our area. Um, another time I dropped my son off at a friend's house, and when I went to pick him up, the father came out to talk to me, and he said, hey, you know I've seen one. I said, what do you mean you've seen one? He goes, well, I understand your son saw a Bigfoot. And I said, yeah. He goes, I saw one when I was a kid. And he was out in Brooksville along 19 before that all developed and he was out playing in the woods and he saw one walk across an opening in the woods just plain as day he said it was not a bear 
you know, it, it was definitely a Bigfoot. Um, I had a woman I worked with. <laughs> I was, right. um, you know, taking a lot of time camping, and we worked in the same little, they call it an office, but basically a cubicle. And finally I turned around and said, look, this is what I do. This is what I enjoy. This is why I go camping so much. And turned out she'd seen one also over off the Withlacoochee River. Her and her son and her son's friends, they went fishing. And they went up and down the river further from her. She stayed by the cooler and such. And she kept hearing something above the bank, above her, something in the bushes. And she turned and she looked and nothing there. And she'd hear it moving around, look, nothing there. Finally, she got up, walked back, and there was one standing there staring down at her. It was, you know, covered by the palmettos, but she got a good look at the face. She started right. screaming, and it ran off, and their sons came back, and they made fun of her. They said that, you know, that she thought that she saw some hobo or something like that, and she's like, no, I got a good look at its face. It was a Bigfoot. Wow. So that's a good part of the show is that, yes, more people are more open to telling me these stories if I ask. Yeah. The bad thing is that, yeah, like you said, all of a sudden um, you get all kinds of people. I had a woman try to tell me that she had a cave, and in the cave there was um, bedding and this and that. And this was after telling me that she used to walk down the railroad tracks at night um, to go get beer and cigarettes, and that's how it was the first time she saw one. And huh. it just uh, the area she's discussing with me, okay, the railroad tracks and stuff are here. There are no caves in that area. <laughs> there's no, there's nothing in that area. You know what I mean? Except right. houses and a railroad track. But you're telling me there's caves too. Um, I had another guy tell me that it threw a. They were camping and it threw a log that had to have been two thousand, not two thousand, two hundred pounds. And I said, really? Do you, did you find the log? And he goes, no. And I said, well, then how did you know it was 200 pounds? Because of the sound it made. I know, I know. Oh, because yeah. Because of the sound it made. I actually had a guy comment on one of my videos saying, because we have uh, found these, or somebody have found some gorilla tracks in Fort McCoy. And they went to those guys there in Ocala. Uh... And those guys quickly told them, hey, they're, they're wooden cutouts. Uh, we don't want to mess with it. So then they get a hold of us. And long story short, um, the, the, the guy commented on my video saying that I was wrong because nobody would hoax in Fort McCoy. He used to live there, and nobody would hoax, you know. <laughs> and it was just like... Just because he knew so. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, okay, you're not even going to look at the tracks. You're just going to tell me I'm wrong because you lived there three years ago. And he's yeah. like, yes. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, well, hey, at least you're honest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some people have great patience with that. I don't have patience with that. No, it's it's very, it's like banging your head into a wall. It, it is. I, I don't, you know me, I don't pay attention to every single little thing that goes on. I'm not one of these people that can recite statistics like you do baseball cards. Right. You know, I'm very interested in the subject. I like getting out there. But, uh, no, a lot of the stuff that's going on I don't agree with. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's saying it nicely. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a, uh, 
it seems like everybody's got an agenda, you know. Yeah. So. So it's it's probably probably maybe by the time we're dead they'll have something, but it's pushed back. Discovery, I say, about another twenty years. Do you really think it's going to be twenty years before we uh, have some kind of proof, or do you think we'll ever have any kind of proof? I think we'll have proof eventually. Yes, but it's gonna you know nobody's going to take it seriously especially with all the stuff that goes on now. Right. You know, well, it's showbiz right now. Um, yeah, there's there's Dr. Squatch soap, which yeah. uh, they did not pay me to say that. <laughs> so. You know, it, it, it's hard. There's good, you know, there's good parts where more people are talking about it. You know, podcasts like this, I learn a lot from podcasts like this from people you know, that aren't making the circuits, that don't have big names, but they're they're out in the woods doing things. And to me, I love that. I love that, that sharing of information. What right. I don't like is the showbiz part of it. Well, you know, if there's money to be made, there's always going to be vultures. So yeah. That's, unfortunately, I've learned that uh, the hard way. But then again, you know, how are you going to get out there to go search for yourself if you don't make money? I understand that part. It is a double-edged sword, you know. If you can make money, that's great. But the problem is, is somebody's paying you, and they're going to want to tell you how to do things. Yeah. Oh, did you get that paper I sent you on the palmetto plant? I did. I did. And so, where can people find this? Uh, I'm going to put a link up to it, or maybe place it itself on the website, because it's very interesting. Um especially with this possibly being one of the main food sources. Yeah, that's that's one of the reasons I think it was near when my son saw it, that it was near our house, was because it's a big, big, um, it's not a big area, but the palmettos are very mature there. Like I right. said, some of them are four and five feet high. And this paper I found, um, after I found the, the second sighting where the palmettos were chewed, I started researching palmettos. I've always heard there's vitamin C, yada, yada, yada. But I came across this paper. I believe it was the Southwest Florida Water Management District had somebody do a study on the impact of the palmettos to the environment, uh, I guess for the animal habitat. Right. And it surprised me how many animals live on the sawberries, the palmetto berries. I, they, evidently, they're so good that deer, raccoon, bear, they will survive. They'll eat only these berries when they're in season instead of anything. Even they'll uh, even ignore acorns and such to go after these berries. I believe they said there was one bear. They found this one bear went 12 miles out of its way to find these palmetto berries. So, well, it's got to be a staple of a diet, especially if you're in like a pine forest, you know, because you've been in enough of them. There's not really a whole lot else to eat. No, no. You, you know, and uh, it, it's interesting because I'm, what I'm wondering is if it's like the hunting seasons. Do these berries come in like two months earlier down south? And then kind of, you know, work its way up the state. Because that would kind of uh, make sense for the migration theory, you know. Yeah. I just I just wonder how the impact of the um, ugh, supplements, 
you know how supplements are big now, where everybody takes green tea and salt palmettos and and things like that. How that's affected them, because now you've got a lot of people harvesting these berries. Well, how many people are harvesting them? Because like, I never have a problem finding these things when they're in season. They're everywhere. See, I I don't maybe it's because of the area I live in. I don't see a lot of them. Oh wow. Okay. So like. If you, during the season when they're in, if you ride out FH-13 out here in the Apalachicola National Forest, you'll see vans parked, right? Mm -hmm. And there'll be these day laborers, and they're just out there just picking them and picking them and picking them. You know what I mean? Uh, But it doesn't seem that they put a dent in it. I mean, I'm sure they do, but I, I just don't know that there's that many people looking for them but it's definitely a something i think that needs to be thought about um a little bit more when it comes to trying to find these things and i think what's happening in my area like i said this this um conservation area behind me is mostly swamp right so i think that the the patches that they are growing are probably getting stripped fairly quickly especially we've got a lot of deer and turkey out here Right. So that's probably why I'm not seeing them. Well, you know, when I first got into this, I just remember thinking, me and my dad were out in the Bradwell Bay area, and I was just like, what in the world would these things eat? Mm-hmm. You know, and those were all over the place, and I didn't even think about it because I was thinking maybe they needed more like fruits, you know, but once you, I think anywhere that there was a lot of bears, you see a lot of these salt palmettos. You know, Ocala National Forest, uh, Apalachicola National Forest, ton of bears in both those locations. It's also yeah, a ton of deer out behind me too. Yeah, there's also a ton of uh, the salt palmettos. So maybe that's you know where you got to look for your bigfoots. <laughs> maybe that's well, a that good it, spot to like start. Like I said, um, you know the way they pull up the roots. I've, I had one other guy. He was over on oh God, he's near. Myrna Beach, I believe it was. Right. He had some yelling. He had a um, part of a hunting lease, and he had seen one, and we were out there talking to him, and it scared him. He, he didn't want to go out there unless there was a couple of us with him, and he said he quit hunting, that he actually moved over to another part of the lease that was um, away from the swamps. He said it was hired, fire palmettos. And as soon as he said palmettos, I showed him a picture of what we'd found with my son. He said, have you ever seen this? And he said, yeah. <laughs> And as soon as I told him, well, this is from a Bigfoot, a Bigfoot did this, he, he just turned white. He's like, crap, because he thought he was getting away from him and be able to hunt again, and he found out they're in the area he's at. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It must be a magnet. It's, it must be. Well, so, we are over an hour, believe it or not. So uh, I think this is going to end up being a two-part episode, oh, which God, is no. fine. You know, usually um, it's not easy to get people to talk for, you know, as much as we've talked, but it's flowed very well, you know, uh, and I appreciate you coming on. Well, thank you, and and I appreciate you having me and letting me talk. (laughs) Oh, hey, it's like I said, this is, uh, the people love the stories, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. you've told some really good ones tonight. Thank you, and um, next time you're out there, will you give me a call so I can come join you? 
I'm actually going to shoot you a message. Uh, we're going to be at a certain location at the end of September. And you're Great. more than welcome to come. Uh, Marty and the whole gang, we're going to be out there. So. That's great. Yeah, I want to see that dart you're talking about. Oh, yeah, most definitely. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, All That's right, Miss Marion, I appreciate <laughs> okay. it. Thank you, Marion. Thank you. I'll and, talk uh, to you later. Yes, ma'am, I'll talk to you soon. All right, Miss Gant, thank you for coming on. So yeah, she, did, she did fine. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know why she was nervous about it. Yeah. yeah who knows, man? <laughs> yeah, this is part some, of it. She had some good stuff. Yeah, you know, she's been at it a while. Um, she's very credible. Her sister's, um, you know, her sister's been at it a while too. So, you know. Yeah, it was cool. But, you know, that whole uh, Saul Palmetto thing, man, there's probably some weight to that, you know, with the with the migration theory through the state. Yeah, yeah. That's a, and, and you heard her. She, she just basically tells you the corridor there at the beginning of the interview where these things are moving through. Yeah. I think maybe, like, choke points in that. Yeah, for sure. Like areas that are smaller, that may be the spots to actually, you know, to record audio long term, to maybe put some game cams out, you know, because if these things are traveling, these these small, narrow, like choke points in that corridor, um, you know, and they've the scientists have scientists. They have, uh, you know, tracked panthers like this through the same corridor. Yeah. You know, from the Keys all the way up in the Okefenokee Swamp. Yeah, I'm sure they got to use the same. You know, maybe those choke points, we just, you know, we, we put our efforts there. And yeah. they'd have to come through it sometime. Because, hey, if you could figure out the migration time, when they're in a certain area and which way they're headed, uh, you could track them all year long. Yeah, we'll have to look into more about those berries and see where the you know when they start blooming, at what times of years and where. I think it's worth looking into, um, you know, because there's a lot of growth, there's a lot of um, you know new developments, and it would be pushing these things into certain places. So, yeah, you know, it's 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 going to be a it's going to be something like that, I think, that's going to end up finding the proof. You know, because like she said, we're not landlocked. The other sides of the state yeah. are the is the damn ocean. You know, so they're not going nowhere that way. <laughs> so I think we have a leg yeah, up on just, it. Just uh, get, get, get a few thousand of us and hold hands and just walk towards the Keys and... <laughs> yeah, man. Singing Kumbaya. <laughs> well, I want to take this time to plug the Skunk Ape Lives. Also, uh, where else should be people be checking us out at? Well, we got uh, the Skunk Ape Files Twitter account. And then uh, 
we have a Facebook group now. It's going to keep files. And then uh, I try to set up an Instagram, but they won't even, they won't get, they won't let me put an account in for some reason with that name. And I've tried hitting them on social media to see, you know, what's what the problem is, and they don't even answer. So, yeah, uh, the skunkapefiles.com. Yeah, can check it out there. Um, and we are very much looking for questions. Uh, yeah. We're very much looking for stories. If you've had an encounter, or if you know somebody that's had an encounter, send them our way. Okay, uh, emails in the description, you know, um, the skunkapefiles at gmail.com. It's at skunkapefiles on Twitter, you know, post yep. there, follow us, you know, we post whenever a new episode's out. That's the only re- way we're going to be able to keep this going, you yep. know, basically because we are only talking about the skunk ape. We're not, we're not getting into a lot of Bigfoot, you know, other states, so... Our people that we're going to be talking to are limited. So if you guys like the program, by all means, please, if you know somebody that's seen the Skunk Ape, push them our direction. Yeah. We don't you know, we don't have to use any names if they don't want. We're not going to blast them out and tell people where they live and all that stuff, you know. Otherwise, you're going to have to sit here and listen to me ramble on about Skunk Ape theory. Please help us. <laughs> I have a feeling we'll be doing one of those eventually. <laughs> yeah. Lack of guests. However, uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. Um, this concludes our sixth episode. So, you think it would um, be, you think it would be um, a little blatant if we started calling the podcast "The Skunk Ape and Beyond"? <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, and by the way, uh, let us know what y'all think. We are thinking about having a Skunk Ape Files expedition. Me and Paul Sanson will take. We uh, have a public expedition. Uh, expedition. Blah, blah, blah. It's so hard to talk with this delay in my ear. <laughs> but uh, yeah, have an expedition where we take people out and we look for the Skunk Ape. So uh, we take our listeners. So yeah. you know, if y'all like that idea, um, let us know. Subscribe, share, and that is my spiel for today. Thank you for listening. And for the Skunk Ape Files, I am Stacy Brown Jr. And I'm Paul Sanson. And we will see y'all next time. Thanks for tuning in. See ya.